Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. Competition in China's fast-growing online insurance industry is intensifying as tech giant Tencent recently secured a new license to sell insurance products on its popular messaging apps WeChat and QQ. China's insurance regulator has granted an operating license to Weimin Insurance, a new insurer in which Tencent owns a controlling stake. Technology companies are flocking to the internet insurance industry in China, riding on a fintech wave, as well as the country's opening of its financial services sector, which was once dominated by state companies. The hype is especially apparent in the massive IPO last month of Zhongan, China's first online-only insurer, where far more buyers wanted shares than were available. In China, about 65% of new insurance policies were sold through the internet last year. WeChat and QQ, China's most used messaging apps that also have online payment capabilities, together have more than 900 million users. Such a massive platform will likely immediately boost the company's internet finance portfolio. China is beefing up its research muscle to wrestle with air pollution. The country's top environmental watchdog has created a national R&D task force to implement more than two dozen research programs identified by the country's cabinet last month. The State Council, China's cabinet headed by Premier Li Keqiang, unveiled 28 research objectives on September 1st. They include investigating the causes of air pollution, the specific pollutants produced by major smog sources, the impact of smog on public health, and ways to tackle such challenges. A national center tasked with designing and conducting different studies to meet these goals is comprised of top academics in environmental sciences and policy studies from several Chinese universities and research institutions, including Tsinghua University and the Chinese Research Academy of Environmental Sciences in Beijing. In addition to implementing the national-level projects outlined by the cabinet, the center will also be tasked with helping regional governments in smog-choked parts of northern China to boost their own local R&D capacity and formulate strategies to fight air pollution. 
China Southern Airlines broke ground on its new hub in Beijing last week as the Guangzhou-based carrier seeks to expand its turf with the construction of the capital's new airport. The groundbreaking illustrates how China Southern is seizing the opportunity presented by Beijing Daxing International Airport, set to open in 2019, which is being built to take some of the stress off the overtaxed Beijing Capital International Airport. Beijing Capital, located in the city's northeast, is one of the most congested airports in the world. It was designed to handle 82 million passengers a year, a number it exceeded by 12 million passengers in 2016. Meanwhile, the city's other civilian airport, Beijing Nanyuan, has an annual capacity of only 6 million. China Eastern will join China Southern in operating a new hub out of Beijing Daxing. Both companies have long sought to beef up their presence in the city, whose airline market has been dominated by their Beijing-based rival, Air China. Chinese farmers faced with labor shortages are turning to crop dusting drones, but this newfound love for the cost-saving devices may not be good news for farmers and consumers, as a lack of regulations and industry standards may lead to the abuse of pesticides and fertilizers. Experts warned. A rice grower in Hubei Province, Chaishin spoke with, uses a drone to spray pesticides on his 50-acre paddy field. The device cost him 130,000 yuan, about 20,000 U.S. dollars. I was planning to use the drone on my own fields, but nearly 90% of farmers in my hometown paid me to use it for crop dusting operations on their fields. He said, in less than six months, his remote-controlled device had flown over 1,600 acres of cultivated land, spraying insecticides and fertilizers. The number of drones deployed for crop dusting in China has skyrocketed from only 500 in 2014 to about 8,000 at the end of 2016, according to the industry data. That number is expected to nearly double to 15,000 this year. A shared economy startup trying to make it as an umbrella lending specialist has found rainmakers in two firms in the Yangtze River Delta. Yu San, whose name means umbrellas here, said Shanghai-based advertising giant Focus Media Information. And online travel specialist Tongcheng Travel, based in the nearby city of Suzhou, are among the backers in its new 4.5 million dollar angel funding round. While modest by most standards, the figure is still sizable for a niche group that has been plagued by theft of its products. Chinese entrepreneurs have been taking the shared economy concept beyond the usual shared rides, homes, and offices seen in the West in search of the next big thing. Some of those include shared basketballs, battery chargers, and even sex dolls. But many have failed for various reasons, including a recent shared sex doll concept that got yanked, as it were, after creating a stir on the internet. One such wannabe in the Chinese city of Nanchang suffered a major setback when people helped themselves to the thirty thousand umbrellas it placed in racks without ever returning the products. Let's turn now to some of Caixin Global's writers and editors for a deeper dive into the week's news. First up is Doug Young, senior editor at Caixin Global. An interesting piece in Caixin this week, Doug, headlined "Crowdfunded Train Rescues Stranded Travelers." So, what's this all about?、It、sounds really interesting. In this case, crowdfunding is sort of the Chinese taking liberties with a particular hot concept, which is actually quite common here in China. They'll take a word like. Shared economy that really doesn't apply and use it for another phenomenon, but this this was a pretty creative concept.、Um, 
it's this is we're talking the sort of the stodgy former government ministry state run rail operator uh, trying to be a little creative and and that's sort of the big backstory to this is that this is not a company known for its creativity, not a company known for its commercialness, but in this case uh, they're trying so so the question is, what's the story here? The story is that we just finished our October 1 week-long National Day holiday, which is probably one of the two busiest travel seasons in China, the other being Chinese New Year. Uh, and people have an entire week off. And the estimates that the government put out before the holiday were that about 60% of all Chinese were going to be traveling during this time. So you do the math, but it's about 1.3 billion people, uh, 60% of those are going to be on the move. So we're talking probably, probably about 700 million Chinese traveling during this time. And of course, a lot of them are going to travel by train, uh, a few by plane, car, everything you can imagine. So uh, the, the travel tends to be very concentrated at the beginning and end of the, the week. And it's very, very difficult to get train tickets. The, the roads are hugely congested. Plane tickets are sold out and so forth. So let's go to where this story is happening, which is in the Shanxi provincial capital of Xi'an. And apparently the rail operator trying to accommodate some of these stranded travelers, people who couldn't get tickets, they decided to crowdfund a train to this town called Yilin, so so from Xi'an to Yilin. Uh, I'm not really sure why they did it on this one particular route. I guess maybe that's a a popular route. But anyhow, what they did was they said, hey, let's try and crowdfund this train, which basically means they they opened an account on Weibo, uh, which is China's Twitter, and told people that they could buy tickets over this account for this extra train they were adding. And if the train got at least 50% full, which is sort of the crowdfunding idea, you know, you want to get X amount of money. Uh, if the train was 50% sold, they would go ahead and run the train. Well, it didn't seem like, a, it seemed like this was probably an idea that was maybe a bit ahead of its time. And they ended up selling something like 100, 120 tickets, and the, the train held 1,200 people. Uh, so they didn't come anywhere near the 50% amount, but they decided to go ahead and show some 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 goodwill and, and ran the train anyhow. And the, the train actually ended up being completely full because, of course, there are plenty of people who had wanted to take that train but didn't know they could buy tickets on Weibo. So they ended up selling tickets through the traditional ticket windows, and, and they ended up completely filling the train and sent it home. So it had a, a happy ending, had a little bit of a high-tech theme, and, and also, you know, this, this theme that the China's rail operator and these stodgy state-owned companies are trying to become more consumer-friendly. So do we know whether this portends anything about the way that rail operators are moving or the, the way that they're going to be in, incorporating more technology? Well, yeah, this is just one of many things that the that, uh, rail operator is trying to do. I wouldn't say one of many things, but one of a few things they're testing out. Uh, they're trying to, one real obvious example is they're, they're trying to update their tracking software that allows people who, who have 
stuff who are transporting, you know, using their cargo services to actually see where their their products are in the, the line. I mean, any private uh, delivery service lets you do this like on mobile apps and you can do it anywhere. You can like track down to like 50 feet where your package is. Well, not in China Rail, you know, they, they, they just don't. Uh, apparently, it's just a hugely Herculean uh, a task to try and figure out where your your goods might be. But they're they're trying to do that. Uh, they've been working with some, we saw a story a few weeks ago about them working with some, some car manufacturers to try and help them set up a customized car shipping uh, plan and network uh, because China's trying to take a lot of these older trucks off the road that were delivering cars. Um, so you, you see them trying to be a little more consumer friendly and they really they have a, a huge pile of debt so they they can't really afford to be you know they can't afford to just sit there and do nothing because all these other private enterprises are nippling uh, nipping away at their heels so you know we're seeing signs of change uh, i don't know if it'll really have a huge effect but at least they're trying well thanks doug uh, so the next story doug uh, is Costa Coffee heats up China pot with local partner buyout. And uh, for people living in China who are used to seeing Costa Coffee, uh, we know they're a pretty ubiquitous name. Uh, what is happening here and why are they buying out their local partner? All right. Uh, Costa is, uh, for people in America, may not have heard of it, but uh, people in Europe probably have, or at least in the UK. Uh, they're one of the really big local coffee chains, uh, similar to Starbucks, but maybe not quite as big. Uh, so they've just announced this week that they're going to buy out their partner in their South China joint venture. Uh, they have, it sounds like they have two China joint ventures, one that operates stores in the South China area and one that operates stores in the North China area. Surprise, surprise. Um, this is a, apparently a pretty common business model, uh, but what they're doing is essentially buying out their partner in the South China region. And it's actually quite similar. Starbucks did something very similar. Starbucks actually has three China regions, I think. They have a South, East, and North. And they bought out their East China partner, which is the area around Shanghai, for $1.2 billion. Uh, that was back in July. This particular deal is much smaller because Costa's China operations are much smaller. Um, I think it was about 60, 70 million U.S. dollars. Um, so that's that's the story. And, and, you know, the next question is, why are they doing this? Uh, and the answer, I think, is the same for Costa and Starbucks. They both are looking very hungrily at the China market. Uh, China used to be a, a nation of tea drinkers, but they're... A lot of people are getting converted to coffee these days. And so Costa sees an opportunity. And basically, by buying out your partner, A, you get more profits. But B, you also get a, a bit more control. You know, there's often disagreements between partners. Oh, do we expand? Is that too fast an expansion? Where's the money for the expansion coming from? Uh, this way, Costa gets to call all the shots. And they, if they want to do something, they do it rather than having to consult with a partner. So the, this idea of regional partners, is that something that foreign companies in the retail space typically end up doing? Yeah, this is something a lot of the franchises do, or a lot of the franchisors, uh, companies like Starbucks. Uh, joint ventures are typically a way a lot of 
these big fast food chains and and coffee chains and and retailers and so forth they'll get into the market because they don't have the local connections they maybe don't understand local retailing practices so they'll get a joint venture partner who has some of that background but in this case uh if it's a company like costa or starbucks that wants to operate nationally they might set up several different joint ventures because maybe this partner has strong connections in north china and this partner has better connections in south china and so forth so that that tends to be i think that's one of the reasons they do it the other reason being just to make it more manageable if you have one joint venture trying to run a huge country like china uh, it can maybe get a little bit unwieldy. So in this case, actually, Costa is buying out their South China partner, but they have another joint venture in North China, which is not affected. They said that's going to continue as a joint venture. And my guess is they're going to try their hand at running the South China operation for maybe a year, couple years. And if that's going OK, they'll turn around and buy out the North China venture as well. Well, Doug, thanks, and I hope you enjoyed the break, and great to have you back, man. Okay, thank you, Kaiser. Good to be back. Now let's check in really briefly with Caixin Global's economics reporter, Fran Wang, who has China's latest economic data report on trade numbers and so forth. Fran, imports, exports, how how are things going? Yeah, um, import growth hit the highest level in six months and beat analysts' projection, while exports growth increased at a slower rate than imports and was behind economists' estimate. So what actually accounts for these higher import levels? Well, some analysts believe that the stronger-than-expected imports could be linked to uh, the government's measures to support economic growth ahead of the 19th Party Congress to ensure stability. And the Party Congress opens on Wednesday, and some analysts expected that the import growth could decline after the Party Congress as the government phases out its supportive measures and addresses China's mounting debt problems. Well, friend, thanks for that, and we will check in with you again next month. Thanks, Kaiser. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and to Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out the Seneca Podcast, the current affairs show I host with Jeremy Goldcorn, and follow the news from China every day at SubChina. China. Sign up for a free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.